Hello, this is Pastor Trent. I want to welcome you to the Mountain Home Church of the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. We are thrilled that you are tuning in to hear sermons from our ministries here at our church. It is our hope that the Spirit of Christ would be present with you as you listen today. I do want to take just a moment to invite you to reach out and connect with us. On our website, we have a way for you to do just that. You can visit www.mhnazarene.org slash connect and fill out a very brief form. There's a spot to leave contact info, ask questions, and even to request prayer. Also, be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our SoundCloud podcast to let us know where you're listening. May the Lord be with you this day. Grace and peace to you. Well, um, I, I, there are a couple of you that were here earlier this morning. We had a 7 a.m. sunrise service, um, and it was great. Um, we already referenced the cold fingers of our guitar player. Um, uh, that, that service, they're much warmer, this, this service. But um, for those of you who were, who were there and are back, um, you, you get the same thing. I didn't, I didn't craft two sermons for today, um, but... Uh, uh, thanks for thanks for coming, um, and it was it was a great time. We had about fifty people or so that showed up this morning, so it was it was wonderful. Um, but I just want to tell you, it's a joy to be here and to worship with you this day, this Easter Sunday. Um, I remember Easter Sunday last year. It was not my favorite. I was not a fan. Uh, I remember sitting in uh, in our living room and watching the YouTube uh, video playlist that we had prepared for that day, um, and it was just weird. Even weirder was preaching my first Sunday uh, Easter Sunday service in this room with no one else present, um, and. Uh, it was quite a quite an experience for this rookie lead pastor to to preach a preach a sermon in an empty room. Um, it was so odd and strange, but I want to tell you that I have so much joy this year to to have the church together, to be able to sit in this room together and worship, and to have you join us. What a joy and what a privilege it is for for me uh, and and hopefully for all of us to be able to worship uh, in this way. Um, we are in currently in year B of the lectionary cycle, and so for some of you who uh, may or may not know what the lectionary cycle is, it's kind of a series of sermon texts that goes over the course of, of three years. And so year A focuses on the Gospel of Matthew, year B, Mark, and year C, Luke. Uh, and, and this year we're in year B. And so we're, we're kind of going through the Gospel of Mark. Today we're reading the Easter account from that book. And so uh, I invite you, if you brought your Bible, to, to open, your, open your Bible to Mark chapter 16. Um, some of you have um, iPhones and smart devices that have scripture. Feel free to point your devices to Mark chapter 16. And we're going to read um, from verse 1 to verse 8 this morning. Out of respect for the reading of God's word, I ask that you would stand as you are able uh, this morning as we read the scripture. A reading from the Gospel of Mark chapter 16, starting in verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so they could go and anoint Jesus' dead body. Very early on, the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they came to the tomb. They were saying to each other, 
Who's going to roll the stone away from the entrance for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, and it was a very large stone. Going into the tomb, they saw a young man in a white robe seated on the right side, and they were startled. But he said to them, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He isn't here. Look, here's the place where they laid him. Go tell his disciples, especially Peter, that he is going ahead of you into Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you. Overcome with terror and dread, they fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Please have a seat. So I don't want you to look at your neighbor after I say this next sentence, okay? This is, this is warning. Um, but have you ever gotten into, into trouble by going just a little too far? <laughs> ha! You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you're telling a story. Maybe you're sharing an opinion. And it would have been just fine to stop right here. I mean, this could have been, you, you could have totally expressed your whole opinion at this point. And then out slipped the sarcastic comment, the, the zinger, the, the one that made the shoe drop. This is why you're not supposed to look at your neighbor right now. Um, maybe you've had that experience. Maybe it's only me. I don't know. Um, but certainly there's times when our mouths can get us into trouble. We just go that one step too far. As we look at the gospel of Mark, Mark's really not that guy. Uh, Mark doesn't waste many words. We, we really haven't spent a lot of time in the Gospel of Mark uh, this, this year. Uh, we'll spend more of it over, over the summer months. Um, but but Mark, Mark's Gospel just reads very quickly. If you've read through the, the Gospels, the different Gospels that are kind of called the synoptic Gospels are the ones that, that are, are similar, Mark, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And Mark is by far just kind of the, the quickest read. Uh, just then, immediately they went here, immediately they went there, or a person shows up on the scene, and, and all of a sudden the, the story turns to the next narrative. And that's just how Mark kind of reads. Mark is the shortest gospel. It only has 16 chapters, has 678 verses. I knew some of you started counting them, so I wanted to relieve you of that burden. Only 678 verses in the gospel of Mark. Second place is John, and he has... Uh, 200 more than Mark in his gospel, 400, 500 more in Matthew and in Luke. Mark is just brief. He doesn't embellish a lot, doesn't expound on the topics that he, he wants to talk about. Instead, he, he kind of goes from one narrative right to the next, kind of abrupt in his approach to writing. But as we look at the ending of this gospel, and I need to pause right there. The end of this gospel gets a little tricky. Um, to be clear, verse 8 really should be the end of Mark's gospel. If you look in your Bible, if you still have it open, you're going to see other verses there. Okay. Um, if you're wanting to read the book, though, as the author intended, you should really kind of stop at verse 8. Some, some well-meaning folks kind of came up behind the, the writer of the Gospel of Mark and said, this is a really bad place to end this book. <laughs> you, you need to add some, some stuff on. Okay. Uh, don't stop there. This isn't how it's supposed to finish. 
Let me help you out a bit. And, and so in my Bible, there's actually two um, Mark 16 nines. If you look in there, it's the only verse in the Bible to have two different versions of that verse. It's just kind of a messy ending. And the reason for that is that last verse of the chapter. Take a look at the chapter. If, if, if we just talked about, took, talked Mark out of writing that last verse, right? Mark isn't the one known for adding a whole lot into his stories, not embellishing a lot. But maybe he just, <laughs> just messed this one up. We could have ended with verse 7. Let's read verse 7. Verse 7 says this, Go, tell his disciples, especially Peter, that he is going ahead of you into Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you. And Mark could have just quit there. <laughs> good, leave good enough alone. It's, that's a great ending. There, there's hopefulness there, but he doesn't. He writes verse 8, and verse 8 is that one moment where, where it seems like Mark might have gone too far. He could have just stopped right here and didn't have to go on. Leave it out, but he does say it. What does he say? Overcome with terror and dread, they... The three women that he mentioned in verse 1, they fled from the tomb. They said no one, or sorry, they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Come on, what a terrible ending. <laughs> it becomes a little understandable why, why people wanted to add on these endings. So we have the short ending and we have the long ending. People trying to kind of button it up a little bit nicer. Scholars believe that this book, the, the Gospel of Mark, was written about 65 or 75 A.D. Or, or C.E., meaning the writer had known that the church had gone on. The writer had, had lived through the book of Acts. The writer had, had seen the resurrection. The, the writer wanted to tell of the resurrection. He had seen the spread of the gospel. He had seen lives transformed, and yet this is how... He ended the gospel. Why? Why would Mark do this? We'll get back to that. We'll get back to that. We've been spending Lent talking about the ways in which God has reached out consistently to humanity. We've hit various Old Testament texts as we've gone through the season of Lent talking about how God has reached out in covenant to us. We've walked kind of all the way, not all the way, but, but a good ways through the Old Testament scriptures. But we started uh, not actually at the beginning. It actually goes earlier. The earliest narratives of the Bible depict a garden, the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve were placed in this garden, and there was fellowship between humanity and God. There was no barriers in that relationship. It, it speaks about how God talked to them in the garden. But humanity kind of chooses its own way, chooses to walk away from, from this relationship and this closeness. Humankind kind of has a tendency to do that sometimes. And, we, and they broke away. We break away from God and are expelled from this garden, expelled from this close relationship with God. The story continues, uh, and with our first Sunday in Lent, we talked about humanity rebelling so bad and the violence escalating to such a degree that Genesis tells us the story of the flood, where, where, where God uh, 
after which God reaches out and, and says, I want to make a promise to you. I, I'm going to put my rainbow in the sky as a sign and as a symbol that says, I will never again destroy life on earth in this way. And he hangs his bow in the sky as a significant signal of his covenant with mankind. After some time, God reaches out to a man named Abram and calls him out of his homeland and, and calls him into a land that he said he had prepared for him, a land called Canaan. It was there that God extend, extended God's self to humanity, making a covenant with Abraham, saying, from you will come a people that will become known as the people of God. I will call them my people in a covenant and a promise made to Abram. After settling there in the land of Canaan, doing well for several generations, there's a great famine that sweeps through the land and through a series of events, the people of Israel, the, the people from Abraham's uh, line and, and his descendants have to come to Egypt where food is plentiful. But what happens in Egypt? They wind up becoming slaves to the Egyptian nation. God moves again and brings them out and, and they, they start wandering through the desert, making their way back to what was, the, what was the land that was promised to them. And God delivers them in the desert from dehydration, from starvation, and even from poisonous snake bites, which we talked about one, one week. God provided and God sustained them in that place, even in the desert, wandering the desert for 40 years. Well, Israelite gets, Israel gets their nation. They settle in the land flowing with milk and honey. And, and they start with God as their king. But they kind of decide they want to look like their neighbors. We don't have a problem with that today. So, you know, but the, but the nation of Israel wanted to look like their neighbors. And so they said, give us a human king. We want a human king to lead us and to follow us. And so that's the, the route that Israel goes. Some, some kings were good. Most kings were bad. Power went to their heads a little bit. Again, we don't have that problem these days. Um, but as the nation deteriorates under these human kings, uh, the nation of Babylon comes in and destroys their place of worship, knocks down the walls of their capital city of Jerusalem, and takes the Israelite people into exile in the nation of Babylon. And Jeremiah speaks in the midst of that grief and in the midst of that trauma and says, one day, one day, God will write his covenant on our hearts. It will no longer be chiseled out in stone or, or written on parchment paper scrolls. God's law will be on our hearts. This, this is the movement of God, a God who moves towards us first, who loves us first who provides for us throughout the journey and sustains us, who constantly offers us life and hope and relationship. The crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus is sometimes painted as this, this oh my gosh, I can't believe moment where the unthinkable happens. And in a lot of ways it is. God, God came as a baby, came incarnate as a baby and lived most of his life anonymously. For about 30 years, no one knew who he was. <laughs> lived inconspicuously as a person. 
And then for three years, the last three years of his life, went around teaching and serving and healing and loving the people of Israel. And people get sick of him and kill him on the cross. Is this really God's story? Is this how God reaches out? But as we've journeyed this Lent season, I've really been reminded that this is just who God is. This is just like God. This is the course that God set from the beginning. I am the God who sustains. I am the God who provides. I am reaching out to his children first. The love of God moves to humanity first and foremost. Uh, one, of the, one of the scripture references that was sent home with my kids as their memory verse was this, Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is the way God has always worked, moving first and loving first, providing and sustaining for humankind. This story that, that God has been writing all the way through the Old Testament, showing up time and again saying, I want relationship with you. I want to extend covenant to you in all these places through the scriptures. We arrive at this moment. And God says, I still, I still love you. I still want to know you. I'm still providing for you a way through. This is the God we serve. This is the God who loves us, who died for us, and who in resurrecting this moment that we celebrate today, this is the God who in resurrecting provides again for us through Christ a way to know God, to follow God, and to be made new in the Holy Spirit. As we celebrate today and, and worship the God who reaches out in relationship to us, we're taken back to Mark's gospel. And, and I'm tempted, I'm tempted to join the, the, the group of people who, who are kind of disturbed by this ending. They went in terror and dread and they ran away and they didn't say anything to anybody. <laughs> I want to fix it. I want to say, look how cool this is. Look how it turned out. God showed up. God made the difference. Go shout it from the mountaintops. We can live a new way. Jesus walks with us. He transforms us into a new life. Scripture says the old is gone, the new has come. Paul Harvey would have called it the rest of the story. But I love what Mark does. Mark doesn't spoil the moment. Mark doesn't gloss over the fact that this was a terrifying day for these women. It had been a horrible weekend. After the swirling chaos of Friday and the crucifixion of Jesus and the raw emotion, they had seen Jesus Christ upon the cross. Executed like a criminal. And one of the most painful and worst forms of public humiliation possible. And that's what they were dealing with this day. Saturday had been a, 
the Sabbath, a, a day in which they were not supposed to work, a day in which they could not do anything. And so they had held off. And at first light, just as like we worshiped this morning, at first light, when the sun began to peak up, they had gone to the tomb saying, we are going to do what we can to honor and respect the body of this one we loved so much. And they come and they find an intruder, someone they had never met, a person that they had to suspect, what in the world is this? What's going on? Have this unexpected encounter who says some pretty amazing things. Jesus isn't here, just like he told you. He's going to go ahead of you into Galilee. You will see him again. But I'm challenged this day by the gospel of Mark. Maybe a little holy terror is the right response. Maybe to sit in this moment after a, a weekend of such dark and, and difficult news and grief in that moment. Maybe words aren't enough to describe. And, and Mark presents this, this crazy, powerful moment that he doesn't fill with words. And allows us for the, re the, the readers today to experience the intensity of this weekend that these women went through. Gail O'Day says this, silence is a wholly appropriate response because the women's silence creates a space for the voice and presence of God to resound. The women's restraint and Mark's parallel restraint in recounting the Easter story combined to allow a moment of holy awe for the reader of the gospel. For Christ has risen. They were in their deepest and darkest moments of grief. They had come to the point where they had accepted what had happened and they wanted to honor this one that they loved so much. And encountering this this radical difference between what they expected and what they encountered. Perhaps it does us some good to sit in that holy awe of that moment and to simply allow God the space to show his power and to show his love again, that this is what God had been doing all through the scriptures, reaching out and providing relationship for us, consistent with who God is. Praise the Lord. I'm going to invite the praise team to come on up. Um, we're going to sing one last song together. But my encouragement for us today is this. Let us stand for just a moment in that holy awe, in that Easter awe, that crazy, powerful moment where we realize Christ is no longer in the grave. For today, death has no sting. Today, the grave is empty. Today, we celebrate that the life that we find in the love of God has the final word. Death will not get the final word. For Christ has overcome 
the power of the grave. Today we celebrate that. And the, and the life that God offers through Jesus is consistent with God's story all through the text, all through the scripture. God offering us coming relationship and coming into covenant with us. God constantly offers us that. And he also offers us the choice, the, the agency to say, is this something I choose or is this something that's not for me? Today, we celebrate Easter Sunday with a holy moment. We realize the love and the care that God extends to us. Would you pray with me? God, today, thank you. Thank you for just a moment to stand in awe, to realize what you've done and, and how you have extended to us relationship and said, I love you. And I wish to provide for you a way to have relationship with me. This, this is not something new. This is not novel. But this is how you acted toward your people throughout the scriptures. Today we, we stand in that holy moment with Mark saying thank you. We worship you. Be with us this day. It's so good to be with your people and to understand how you have reached out to us and made a way for us to know you. We worship you this day. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. I'm alive because he lives. Amen. Would you please stand and join me? Um, we're going to get to a benediction. Before I do that, reminder, if you have kids, go uh, grab them real quick. We have the Easter egg hunt out on the lawn. So the instructions is, I think, just to wait on the sidewalk. Right, Adriana? Okay. Um, and if we haven't had a chance to take a picture of you and your family, we'd love to do that. Not required, but, you know, we, we think it's great to, to record these moments where we get uh, a chance to celebrate as church family. It's been so good to be in the house of the Lord this Easter with you. So I'm going to have you help me with the benediction today. Would you extend your hands? Uh, the traditional Easter greeting of the church is, uh, I say he is risen, you say he is risen indeed. So would you join me? He is risen. He is, he is risen, risen indeed. Amen. Go in the love of Christ. Thanks for joining us today on the Mountain Home Church the Nazarene podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarene.org connect if you'd like to connect with us and have a great week.